with all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to the Notice Podcast. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice Podcast explores our need to be noticed through biblical musings and conversations with special guests, experience relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, Boundaries. Is this all about self-help or do boundaries really work? Are boundaries even Christ-like? Join me for this episode where we talk about those boundaries, how we set them, how we violate them, and how to take notice of God as we figure it all out. Boundary. Webster's Dictionary defines a boundary as a line that marks the limits of an area, a dividing line. Wikipedia states, personal boundaries, or the act of setting boundaries, is a life skill that got popular by self-help authors and support groups in the mid-1980s. It is the practice of openly communicating and asserting personal values as a way to preserve and protect against having them compromised or violated. Okay, friends, the plan isn't for this episode to turn into psychobabble, but I do want to explain the reason I chose this topic. Recently, it seems that the word boundaries come up in nearly every conversation I have, whether it's talk about defining our boundaries, that eternal work that you have to do in the process, the way we communicate boundaries, or how others violate our boundaries. It's there, often, and I see it show up in articles, social media, even sermons. It seems I'm hearing a lot about the good and bad ways to communicate boundaries and, of course, how offended others get when boundaries are violated. We recognize that there's healthy and unhealthy ways to communicate and set boundaries, but just recently I heard someone discussing how we are abusing boundaries. Something about setting boundaries is the assertion of power over another I guess this shows up when someone cancels your relationship because they feel you violated their boundaries. I don't know about you, but it's no wonder we have trouble noticing God during all of this eggshell walking. Friends, I don't think I'm the only one out there noticing this. I'm not sure how this good thing became bad, But before we get too far, I want to remind listeners of this episode that this is a musing. Musings are just a sharing of reflections and thoughts. It's not my intention to challenge or condemn the concept of boundaries, but it does seem as though the topic has become way too important. And I'm not an expert on the subject, and I still still learning how to do boundaries myself, but I'm wondering if a lot of it has to do with our value system. You know, what is acceptable or unacceptable to us? It's like preferences, and boy, can that vary between persons. And how can I keep from violating someone's boundaries 
when I'm not even sure what they are. Well, as a Christian, I guess I have strong values. I admit I value my relationship with Jesus first and foremost and live believing that having a relationship with him changes everything. This includes my perceptions about boundaries. As I take notice of how others set boundaries, communicate them, and what happens to me when boundaries are violated, I'm learning more and more to love like Jesus. But what happens when we violate a boundary we didn't even know existed? And what about the motives or reasons behind setting those boundaries in the first place? Could they be contrary to our own set of values? An article from Psychology Today references our motives in regards to boundaries when they write, The whole point of having boundaries is so that we can contain ourselves within the parameters of where I stop and others begin. I get it. We all occupy divine space. This divine space is that something that no one else can take up. And this makes sense in the physical world that boundaries are easier to see. There's fences, signs, lawns, or hedges all around us to understand this is where my property ends and yours begin. Ideally, each owner of the property is responsible for what happens on his or her property. Non-owners are not responsible for the other person's property. But it gets more complicated in the emotional and spiritual world. Cloud and Townsend, authors of the many Boundaries books, explain it this way. Boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. If I know where my yard begins and ends, I'm free to do what I like. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. However, if I do not own my life, my choices and options become very limited. In reality, these boundaries define our soul and they help us to guard and maintain it. For me, I do appreciate how Cloud and Townsend talk about individual responsibility. Of course, we have a responsibility to understand and communicate our boundaries. The confusing thing is, is that sometimes we violate someone else's boundaries because we don't know them or understand them or they haven't been communicated to us. Maybe they didn't communicate them even though they had decided on them internally. Or maybe it's just that their value systems are different. For example, if someone doesn't value a relationship with Jesus in the same way that I do, they may feel I am violating their boundaries if I talk about Jesus. This is just one way we do a lot of eggshell walking. And as Christians, what about having a giving and gracious heart? Do we help someone even if they don't ask for it? In their writings, Cloud and Townsend bring up the big boundary verse in Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So at what point do we 
guard our hearts? And should we even attempt to guard others or encourage others to guard themselves? For me, it seems easier to see the application of the verse in the physical realm. Of course, we don't want predators or others to invade our space. But what does it really mean to guard? Does this mean when I set a boundary, like putting up a fence, I have to take vigil around the fence to be sure no one invades my space? Shouldn't putting up the fence be enough? Well, like anything, I suppose, including these boundaries, we can take things too far. I imagine after a while, if we take this guarding stuff too far, it can turn into self-protection. I've seen this happen when others get defensive or they cancel a relationship because they want to protect themselves from this so-called unsafe person or at least someone who doesn't agree with their values. Which encourages me to ask, when we take boundaries so far that we have a spirit of self-protection, are we relying on self or God? As I discuss in my book, Affirm Graphs, self-protection is often learned in childhood, especially if no one was there to protect you. Me, I grew up in Detroit in an unsafe neighborhood. There were breaking and enterings and individuals with weapons, and I got beat up a lot. I recall at age eight going to the local park and getting a knife pulled on me. Fortunately, he was just trying to use it as a scare tactic to get me to leave, but of course I was frightened. I came home and told my mom, who said, well, I'm glad you're all right. So naturally, when I became a mom, I didn't want my children to experience what I did, so I wanted them to grow up in a safe neighborhood, and I went to the park with them. In my mind, that was just wise. When self-protection, though, is rooted in past trauma, psychologists can call it hypervigilance. It makes sense to set up different boundaries for my children than someone else who didn't have that experience. But this leads me to wonder, how can it be possible for me to know everyone's story and what will trigger them? How can we be sensitive and loving without living in fear? Aren't these boundaries about fear? I suppose some of the ways we manifest self-protection is when, first, when we include another person isn't safe. I don't think, in general, drawing that conclusion is judgmental because we can observe without judgment. We can say that a person with weapons is physically unsafe. But what about those we determine are emotionally unsafe? Do we avoid relationships with others we don't share the same values? How do we love others? Let's take a look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put on the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Well, I love this parable for many reasons, but mostly because Jesus and these parables all get us to look at things differently. First, I see Jesus identifying three distinct relationships in his command. One was a relationship with God. Two, relationship with others. And three, relationship with self. The relationship with God and even with others appears more straightforward But honestly, the as-yourself portion of this verse puzzled me for the longest time. Was God saying we should love ourselves? Was this about self-esteem or self-worth? Is it about respecting our own divine space? Or is this just another way of explaining the golden rule from Matthew 7, 12, which states, So whatever you wish the others would do to you, also do to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Well, however you interpret that portion, we can conclude that Good Samaritan actually violated some of his own boundaries to help another person. Samaritans were despised by the Jews at the time, yet he had mercy on the wounded man, addressed his first aid needs, and then after that limited what he could give. He delegated to others, in this case the innkeeper, what he wasn't able to do. He appeared to set some boundaries about what he could do without compromising compassion. I guess one could argue that the reaction of the Levite and the priests were understandable. The injured man had been robbed. Stopping to help him may have given the robbers an opportunity for them to be the next victim. Jesus used this parable to show that those who could have been expected to help only cared about their own safety. However, the Samaritans, despised by Jews at that time, did what the others did not. It is one of the occasions where Jesus went against the current thinking. So here's my challenge. What is God calling you to do? Could he ask you to do something so radically against the culture's norms to show love? Could he be asking us to put away our need to self-protect and compassionately give anyway? How could that manifest itself in your world? We have to be careful not to become so self-righteous by determining our boundaries 
and there are values in assuming they're higher and stronger than the person we are called to help. Because we can hurt them by canceling them. We can criticize those who violate us because they aren't acknowledging or even agreeing with us. We can try to problem solve when it's not our problem to solve. And maybe we even dominate a conversation because of our fear of not being accepted. And here's a big one. We self-protect by making sure we're so busy we don't have time for relationship. Perhaps this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, as yourself. Maybe it's about checking ourselves. Maybe it's about checking our motives. Are we loving others because we love God? Or could we be motivated by ego, power, or fear? And friends, just what are we trying to protect ourselves from anyway? The good news is there's more to the story. And I want to go back to Proverbs 4 because after verse 23, there's verses 24 through 27 which tell us, Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep correct talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Well, if I'm understanding this correctly, these boundaries appear to be more about what we choose to expose ourselves to. This could be movies we watch, social media we scroll, or even the words we speak out loud. It's about letting in the good and keeping out the bad. Just like the law, it gives us freedom. And God wants that freedom for all of us. So, in our quest for this freedom, should boundaries play a part? Can we be loving if we limit our giving? And what if we take it so far that we become an overgiver? Whose boundaries are violated then? I want to share with you a post I saw that was written by Talitha Hunter. I have no idea who she is, but I wish to respect her divine space and let you know that these words are from her. It's called, A Love Letter to an Overgiver. Perhaps it can give us some perspective. There is more to you than what you are capable of giving others and providing for them. There is more to you than what you are willing to sacrifice for others and give up in your own life in order to make them happy. And there is more to you than what you do for others in the world. You are not everyone's healer. You are not everyone's parent or guardian. You are not everyone's savior. And giving is not your only purpose in life. Sometimes when we feel unloved by others around us, we settle for being needed. We overextend ourselves and overgive so that in return, they will like us. And we attempt to please them at the expense of pleasing ourselves. Failing to realize that by people-pleasing, we are attempting to manipulate others into liking us. And when we continually say yes, when we secretly mean no, we can be left feeling resentful. While when we are authentic and kindly let others know through active communication what our true beliefs, desires, and intentions are, and are honest and upfront about our boundaries, 
This is much better for both them and ourselves in the long term. When it comes to others, making large demands and requests of you, always remember, they just as you are capable, others are capable. Others are capable of taking action in their own lives. Others are capable of deciding for themselves what is best for them. And others are capable of relying on themselves or seeking help from someone else rather than you. And so you may give them the space and freedom to be able to effectively show up for themselves and allow them to empower themselves. And instead, choose to give from a place of love and kindness when you feel you want to and donate your time, possessions, and energies to others from a place of abundance and generosity rather than simply out of obligation. As others are not entitled to your help, others are not entitled to your energy or resources, and others are not entitled to your time and attention. And just as we set boundaries with others, we must also set them with ourselves and ensure that we are respecting our own time and energy just as much as the time and energy of others. Well, friends, there's a lot to unpack there. And and although I don't necessarily align with everything she said, I'd like to talk about the one word that stuck out to me from this letter, the word entitled. Are we really entitled to boundaries outside of the physical? What is it about boundaries that God is trying to help us take notice of? If indeed boundaries are really values, in order to set appropriate boundaries with others, we have to know ourselves. We have to know what our values are, what our triggers are, and when we are overreacting, making self-awareness ultimately necessary. And this is where I believe that that big part of as yourself that Jesus was talking about is actually self-awareness. Self-awareness gives us the ability to set appropriate boundaries with others in the most healthy way when we have experienced the love of God. As we set boundaries regarding things we shouldn't have in our lives, I don't believe God intends us to eliminate people from our life in the name of boundaries because they don't fit our values. I don't believe God intends us to put up walls and keep others out because they are toxic. But I do believe God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us understand the timing of sex interactions. For example, perhaps you don't have a relationship with your ex-husband, but you still have to co-parent with him. You don't let him into your heart, but you do let him into your life for a minute. Perhaps being aware of what we can tolerate and for how long, is a key to establishing our own boundaries. There are certain people in our, my life that I have to limit my time with, but I don't believe God wants me to cancel them. I found this post from Therapy Dave, whoever he is, who compiled a list of healthy boundaries that I thought was interesting. He says, It is not my job to fix others. It is okay if others get angry. It is okay to say no. It is not my job to take responsibility for others. I don't have to anticipate the needs of others. It is not my or it is my job to make me happy. Nobody has to agree with me and I have a right to my own feelings. So let me encourage you friend. Go ahead 
and become self-aware enough to know your triggers, set and communicate appropriate healthy boundaries. But don't dwell when somebody else doesn't know your story and you feel violated. Perhaps that's the love part Jesus is talking about. Friends, I hope all this talk about boundaries was helpful to you. The goal of the notice is for us to take closer notice of God, others, and self. And sometimes that means thinking through things. However, one of the challenges of doing a solo podcast is that I don't get to hear from you. So I encourage you to leave a comment, send an email, or reach out through social media. I'd love to hear how these musings have helped you think. I also want to remind you that on Saturday, October 1st, we will be having an open house at Maple Ridge Place from 10 o'clock a.m. to 1 p.m. And that's at the corner of River Road and Keystone in Traverse City. Enjoy music, refreshments, and hear about our ministry offerings to the community. Hope to see you there. Until next time, take notice. Oh